I'm going to discuss two things. The first is an over-reliance on polls, surveys, and social media or atmospherics analysis. And then I'm going to discuss a little bit about the nature of disinformation in social media. So looking at social media atmospherics and survey atmospherics, we find that every poll, every survey, every online data calling method differs. But whether data calling through people's professed and volunteered opinions online or answering survey questions online or off offline, similar issues arise on the usefulness of any one study. We must look to methods of social sciences to include ethnography, anthropology, communication studies, neurobiology, and even historical archive analysis to find the limitations and weaknesses of studies that overstate their competence in people's beliefs and opinions. Bottom line is that reported opinions rarely reflect actual opinions. Actual opinions rarely reflect true beliefs. True beliefs rarely translate into action. So we must take this into account when looking to survey and poll data or any type of data analytics of social media. We must look to other sources, whether it's ethnography or history, observations. A quote from the reading from Blomart NG on ethnographic research, people are not cultural or linguistic catalogs. And most of what we see as their cultural and social behavior is performed without reflecting on it, without an active awareness that this is actually something they do. Consequently, it is not a thing they have an opinion about. Asking, indeed, very often is the worst possible way of trying to find out. To continue on with that uh, quote from that reading, people have no opinion about most of things that happen around them. There are very, very few issues in the world that are everybody's concern. And now to Adam, Adam Langford. The simplest way to understand people's motives is, and he says, dripping with irony, just to ask them. The easiest way to know what's going on inside somebody's brains is to listen to what comes out of their mouths. But, he says, um, although this is oftentimes how social scientists get their information, that is administering surveys, conducting interviews, looking at so-called empirical data, um, assuming that this data is trusted and correct. He states that we can't believe everything we hear, that respondents may give consistently unreliable answers, influenced by social and cultural biases. They may be lying with ulterior motives and psychological denial, or lack the knowledge to provide accurate answers. And according to the book Subliminal, we find that when it comes to understanding our feelings, we humans have an odd mix of low ability and high confidence. We are not like computers that crunch data in a relatively straightforward manner and calculate results. The real reasons behind our judgments, feelings, behavior can surprise us. We find in social media especially that people using social media from Twitter to TikTok to old-fashioned blogs will often present a simplified, exaggerated, skewed, idealized, or untrue persona instead of presenting their true thoughts and emotions in all its complexity and ugliness. 
No version of AI can detect and classify and analyze most posts that are ironic, sarcastic, or funny. And no version of AI can really detect enduringly ever-evolving dialects, idioms, and cultural subtext. According to Ben Smith in the New York Times, it can be hard to untangle theatrical outrage and Twitter screaming matches from real differences in values. People's spoken and written opinions may have very little to do with the intensity and consistency of belief. I think in addition, we can also learn from the challenges that historians face. Although the study of history and the study of social science in the brain may seem very different on the outside. But we find that historians, when diving into archival research on warfare, must be skeptical of official journals after action reports and logs. According to Max Hastings, few official narratives in any language explicitly acknowledge disaster, panic, or failure, or admit that people run away. So tweets and poll answers may often not reflect real beliefs. Self-reported beliefs may not translate into action, so we must analyze polls, surveys, and metadata calling critically. These qualitative methodologies uh, may be helpful. Surveys, data calling in the fields of security, national security, should be tested elsewhere to see also if they're generating false leads. Now, at the same time, I do want to bring up a big blind spot in this way of thinking. And that is sometimes we do need to listen to what people actually say and believe what they say. An example is that the Kaiser, during World War I, his intelligence apparatus and staff failed to believe Lenin's published goals and intent. Lenin sought a global revolution that would affect Germany down the line. And also, international analysts failed to believe Hitler's published goals. In 1925 and 1926, his publication plainly described his anti-Semitism, his disgust of Jewish people, disgust of communists, and need for vast expanse of German living space as, and I quote, as translated, historical destiny. So in these cases, the world largely, where the people in power largely overlooked the professed beliefs, believing maybe it's exaggeration, perhaps uh, believing that it was unattainable. So we have to balance between being skeptical and knowing when to actually give credence to what people say. Now a little bit on disinformation. Disinformation in social media seems to be an obsession at NDU. A few thoughts. Disinformation comprises lies or partial lies for a political, social, corporate, or personal goal to deceive, manipulate, influence, confuse, distract. Disinformation began as a tactical tool of strategic influence as soon as Homo sapiens organized beyond the clan, producing abstract stories with little or no basis and objective experience. We find that even in healthy democratic republics or constitutional republics, political campaigns, local and national, exaggerate, oversimplify, and sometimes enable spurious or partially true rumors. Often opponents will accuse the other side of disinformation or misinformation. Ending disinformation is akin to ending lying in human nature. It's a good subject for philosophy, but with little practical value.
We can, however, collapse influence campaigns and adversaries and competitors, campaigns that may use disinformation as of one of but many tactical tools. Now, that's sort of a philosophical thought on disinformation online. I hope you do disagree with me and push back on certain aspects of that. Now I want to look at the limits of stemming fake, so-called fake news and disinformation on social media today, much of which we have learned over the last couple of years, much of which we've learned over the last couple of months uh, with the uh, whistleblower from Facebook, for example. There is, first of all, no technical solution, no technological solution. Google, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube use AI. And by the way, saying they use AI is akin to saying they use math. It is, completely, it is a completely meaningless statement. We have to describe the automated systems and the algorithms that are used. Saying you use, you know, we're going to fix it with AI is like we're going to fix it with mathematics. And this is some of the top AI and cyber scholars um, that have commented to me on this point when students and faculty say, hey, just uh, put some magic AI on there, it'll work. But Google, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, they use AI or their versions of AI as only one tool. Mostly, they rely on tens of thousands of subcontractors, 1099s, analysts, to find malign messaging. But the problem is disinformation campaigns are resilient and creative. They change platforms. They can use images as text, for example. And we find time and again that these tens of thousands of subcontractors, that they are not specially trained to look for disinformation. And in fact, very little is flagged of the greater disinformation ecosystems, if you will, on social media. Most of what is flagged is flagged by other users and is content that is explicit or illegal, so going well beyond disinformation. And even with these tens of thousands of subcontractors throughout the world, most of that does not get caught. So the question becomes, how can a company police disinformation when it cannot even police flagrantly illegal activities? Just in recent history, weapons for sale on Facebook in Libya, human trafficking, uh, traffickers, excuse me, advertising openly on Facebook and Twitter, child abuse abusers running rampant at tech companies or through tech companies, uh, while those tech companies look the other way and say, well, it's a platform, it's not our fault. We see uh, illegal narcotics being sold and bought on social media, not just the deeper dark webs, but on Facebook, for example. We've seen recently a Twitter cyber attack where there was images that were put onto an account for an epilepsy foundation, strobing images with the intent of triggering seizures. This is something that Twitter took a very long time to take down, something that can directly cause physical harm, and perhaps even death. And then we look to things like QAnon, which continues to flourish even on Facebook, even as they say they're trying to follow up with it.
And then we see also more benign types of misinformation, disinformation about studies uh, that are not rooted in science, they're not rooted in reality, um, that are propagated online. And so the question becomes, beyond just the fact that there's a lack of will to take disinformation down, beyond the fact that these so-called fact-checkers, they themselves can be extraordinarily biased, and the word fact is very problematic, and what people consider as a fact uh, will differ from person to person. Beyond all of this, there is so much material online that even the wealthiest companies in the history of the world cannot build or are unable at this point to build automated systems to catch less than 1% of 1% of 1% of illegal stuff and activities that go on on these social media platforms. So what hope do we have or do they have of stopping disinformation which is far more difficult to detect, which oftentimes is subtle, wrapped up in ideals and values and realities and real stories, that it really takes someone with a certain type of education and a certain type of um, view and understanding of the world, international relations, to be able to detect malign national security influence. What chance do we have when relying solely on underpaid, arguably, subcontractors around the world that have no specialization. Thank you.